the number one question that I get asked from all of the stuff that I do online, and I get asked over and over and over again, is, where was your mother? And, you know, I've been avoiding this question because I haven't had the emotional capacity to be able to explain my complex feelings. Because, you know, to give a little bit of a backstory, my father was a drug addict and a drug dealer. He he exposed me and my brother to a world that was well beyond our years. And basically, I, I lived in a sort of a constant state of fear and worry and anxiety that the people that he was dealing to would snap. I remember sitting in his house and having to entertain addicts while he, you know, went and got the stuff. And, you know, this this formed the basis of my first book, Under the Influence, Reclaiming My Childhood. And I wanted to, basically I wrote it as an act of therapy, as a way of sort of decompressing and understanding what happened in my childhood and how that's impacted me to this day. And, you know, since writing that and sharing that and releasing that and starting to do all these videos and podcasts and all the stuff that I'm doing, I've obviously developed a little bit of a following online and people that have read my story and follow along will inevitably ask, well, where was your mother in all this? And it's it's a fair enough question. And the 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 short answer is that, or I suppose the, 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 the sort of mundane answer is that I, we spent half of our time, you know, between mum and dad, mum and dad split up. So then the question is as well, given what your father was like, why did she expose you to that? Why did why did she not stop it? And I've I've long felt complicated feelings toward for you know, in relation to this. Partly anger and resentment, but also understanding and that level of understanding is actually growing. And it's it's understanding for multiple reasons. It's it's. I'll I'll address this from multiple different fronts. I never fully expressed to her the severity of what happened, and what was happening in the household. I was ashamed of my father, ashamed of his actions, and I didn't talk about it. Not anywhere nearly enough. You know, she she knew he had his issues and was an addict and all that sort of stuff but he you know if you you can easily sort of see things in a way that's not quite you know that twists the reality and twists the facts i i do know that i never quite expressed to her what was happening or how it was made me feel and because at the time i wasn't quite aware of that i didn't quite know just what was happening. I was afraid, but rather than expressing and seeking help, I bottled it up and decided to fight against it. And as soon as I could, as early as I could, I stopped going and visiting my father. I cut him off completely, in fact. And my mum was okay with that. She was fine with that. And then not soon after that, at 15, I ended up moving out of home from her house. And I guess what I discovered was that I'd found a way to 
look after myself and sort of survive without the need for her or him or anyone. And thinking back, there's a lot of repression, a lot of suppression, a lot of fear, a lot of stuff that was well beyond my years that I didn't quite grasp. And I'm still sort of decompressing and coming to terms with things are regularly coming back to me. Now, there's obviously more to it because, you know, I did obviously let her know that I didn't want to see him. And then it's like, well, why don't you want to see him? And there was obviously a conversation about all of this. But like I said, I didn't express the severity of the situation to her, nor to anyone. And that lack of expression on my behalf has caused other members in the family that when they read my book to get quite upset and I suppose not believe what I was saying because to their perspective, it came out of nowhere in the sense they all knew my father was a derelict. They all knew he was struggling. But what I was saying in the book didn't really quite mesh. It was, a, you know, a good, decent jump beyond what they saw. But on the other side of things, they too didn't want to see him. They too ostracized him. They too couldn't handle going to his house to to see the, the state of squalor that he lived in. So I guess it runs both ways, right? Regardless, I remember, I'm, I, and I still feel now a the trap that my mother was facing in the sense that if she ran the risk of, if she, you know, she, she, she stopped us seeing him, she would run the risk of us, of myself judging her and holding it against her and that, that she would restrict our access to our father. You know, she didn't know how bad she was, how bad he was. And she starts restricting us from seeing him. There's, you know, that, that's not going to be an easy easy decision to make. And one with limited information would be very hard to make. So she did what she thought was best in the sense that having access to a father figure in her mind would be better than not seeing the father and having a, you know, no access at all. Now, upon hindsight and retrospect and my own views, I'm not sure what would be better. Would it have been better to have, when they split up, just never see him? Because when they first split up, he was relatively fine, right? He was struggling. He had mental health concerns. He was using a little bit, but he wasn't as bad as he became. So when's that cutoff point? It was such a, such a steady progression that when can you go, you know, she was able to go, okay, well, right now I don't want to be with you, but you can still have access to the children. At what stage does it become now's the time? Because it's such a slow, steady progression and with limited information there. Now, the other aspect of all of this is I learned early on to be my own parent, to be my own guide, to look after myself. So it wasn't natural for me to express or ask for help or anything like that. So the adults in my life, in my family, my mother in particular, but all the adults didn't really quite understand or know what was going on and the severity of that. And I can't emphasize that enough. Now, part of me is going, well, okay, that's almost like victim blaming or, you know, to myself or something like that. But 
you know, if, if I put the put the shoe on the other foot and sort of look at it from the other perspective, how can you know? You can only know if you are inquisitive-minded, if you know the severity and the depra- of the depravity of potential of humans and you're willing to, to ask and probe. I know that because of this, when my son is you know, exposed to things or when I'm not sure, I'll probe him. I'll ask. I will try and get the information out and push through those barriers that he will put up knowingly or unknowingly as a young teen, right? Because, you know, for, for, for better or worse, my whole childhood and experience and potentially just personality traits leaves me being very introspective and being able to look at the situation and sort of deconstruct it and pull it apart and sort of analyze it and all of that sort of stuff. I know that other people don't have that level of introspective ability. They don't contemplate these things and, and good for them. It's, it's a, it's, it's a rumination. It's a trap, you know, and, 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 you know, when I, when, when you look back over a traumatic event, and sort of put it into a book or into a sentence or into a statement. This happened to me. How could you? How could you let this happen to me? It becomes... It becomes very sort of flat. It becomes very... It takes out all of the reality of the real world and real life. You know... I don't know the extent of what happened to me. I know that there's lots and lots of dangerous and traumatic and lots of little things happening over and over and over again and that sort of leads to the diagnosis of complex PTSD. I have memories of some significant trauma but I don't know I don't know if it happened and I don't know if it happened at my father's house. It could have been anything. It might not have happened. But what I do know is that if you look back over the past with the construct of looking at it as like, how could you let this thing happen? That's not a realistic way and it's not a fair way to look at things because you're, you're taking away every aspect of of the whole childhood, of the whole life and going, well, what happened here? How could this one thing happen? And sort of making every aspect of life point towards that one event. But in reality, life's just a continuum. It's constantly growing and it could be like, you could choose any single point and, and sort of dictate every every other aspect of life around that one point. It's just that when something traumatic happens, that becomes the focal point. And you try and explain every other event based on that focal point. That's not fair. I don't think that's fair at all. Um, So in terms of where was my mother in all this, she was there. She listened when I had the courage to speak up. One of the things she said to me was, if you were ever struggling, if you ever feel like you need to take your own life or do something like that, speak to me. Say the words. And I think I've only said it to her less than a handful of times, but her saying that kept me alive because it meant that no matter what happened, no matter my feelings towards her or my father or whatever I knew that I had an ally that I could talk to. Now, growing up, I was 
very angry and very resentful and yeah I, I still I still have lots of unresolved issues in that path that I'm working through but you can only you can only see the world through your eyes and you can only see what you're projected with and 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 having lived as long as I have now not that I've lived forever <laughs> but given the 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 fact that now I'm a father and I've been in a long-term relationship and I've had life experiences and all of that sort of stuff. I've talked to more people. I can see that often, so often, my initial interpretations are wrong. I'll see someone talking or, or speaking and I'll assume one thing or I'll think they're fine or whatever, only to discover that, you know, that, that day they were sexually assaulted or that they just had a miscarriage or that they'd just broken up with their partner or a whole range of other things that upon retrospect, upon thinking back, I should have seen the signs, but I didn't. I didn't see them. And I sort of pride myself on trying to be as understanding and connected as, as possible and all of that sort of stuff, but I didn't. I miss it and I, I will continue to do so. So then given my same inability to see the hurt and the pain and the issues of other people in my life. I have forgiveness for my mum and my other family members for not seeing it in me. Now, if and when I do speak, and if and when do people do say stuff to me now, that's what matters. When you say the words, when you express yourself openly and honest, honestly, when you use words to say things, I am feeling this way, this happened to me, I need your support, I'm not sure about this, please talk to me. When it's when you do your best to openly and honestly communicate, that's when I feel like you can be held, held more accountable. You know, if I said to my mother now, hey, this is how I'm feeling, These, this is what I'm going through right now, and she didn't act, then I'll be resentful, then I'll be upset. But to her credit, every time, every single time I say the words, she listens and she cares. And to the extent that even, you know, writing that book, um, she was there to help talk me through it and edit it with me and, you know, add in bits, you know, uh, that I uh, that I forgot that, you know, it's sort of the backstory and all of that sort of stuff because I asked her for the help. I suppose what I'm driving at here is that one of the lessons that I've really learned from all of this is to be as open and honest as possible, have the courage to speak and ask for help and keep pushing for that help when you need it. Because like I said, I stopped seeing my father maybe at 12, maybe at 13, I can't remember. And then I moved out of home at late 15, early 16. Because I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I was strong enough. And to my credit, I was. I was strong enough to survive. But it was survival. Moving out of home that early. The the, the inability to communicate. The, the stubbornness. The anger. The resentment. The rage. Led to a whole plethora of issues. You know. From a psychological perspective. I was self-harming. I was feeling suicidal. I was drinking a lot. I 
from a financial perspective, my partner and I at the time were living off literally government handouts and charity. I remember going to a place to learn how to cook, you know, cooking lessons, not because I didn't know how to cook, but because we got to eat the food for free at the end. I remember getting bags of off groceries, just, you know, past the use by date that companies would donate to a charity and we would go there and they'll give us some garbage bags full of just terribly cheap off food, not off in terms of making you sick, but wasn't fresh, right? Whilst going through high school, whilst going through university. Now I got through it, but looking back, it my from from sixteen to twenty two, it's a blur. It's a scramble. It's an anxious mess of just clawing my way to survive, struggling for money, struggling for myself, struggling my psyche, struggling with friends. Just a rush. I lost a whole bunch of friends, all of my friends from high school. Don't speak to them. And some things happened, but given the same, you know, that that <laughs> some terrible things happened, and some things that had should they happen now i would have the courage to bring it up and talk about it openly and honestly and sort of have the courage to have those tough conversations but i didn't at the time and now i've lost contact i would have the courage to say hey why did you do that what was going through your mind what's your side of the story instead i was triggered and i did what i did last time and ran and and interestingly enough i'm still finding that I'm doing that. I'm still finding that that's my default, that when something confronting happens, my default is to run. My default is to, 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 to try and just get away from it as quickly as possible. And, you know, in some cases, literally run, like go for a run to just clear my mind and clear my thoughts. It's not necessarily the healthiest solution to the problems. So it's something I'm working on. You know, it's the start of 2020 now and there's all these talk of New Year's resolutions and all that sort of stuff. I don't believe in that. What I believe, you know, in terms of in this year, I'm going to lose this much weight. That's bullshit. I think you should focus on core values. For me, it's facing my fears. It's not running. It's being able to step up and do something on a particular day, which is, is one of the reasons why I wanted to tackle this question, this this idea, this this question that gets asked of me more than any other question, you know, people talk about how do you meditate or what sort of exercise should I do or, you know, how do I write or all, all of these different things that I'm doing. But the, the question I get asked all the time is this one, where was your mum through all of this? And I, I, I guess until now I haven't had the courage to talk about it because, you know, talking about someone means that you're impacting them and that's that's something hard that is confronting. But like I said, I don't blame or resent her actions. I forgive her for what she's done. And I understand that had I have spoken up more, she would have acted differently. Why do I know that? Because when I do speak up now, she acts differently now. She, she takes action now which is something that I will love her for forever because you know that's what you want in a parent right I I regret not not having the capacity to 
to, to go to her for the, 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 the love and support that I needed when I was growing up. And it's, it's one of those long-term hang-ups that I'm dealing with and trying to address now. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that this podcast will spur some more follow-on questions that I will get to and be able to address. So if you, if you have those, please do, please do send me a DM um, across any social. I can be found at Zach P. Phillips or via my website, Zachary-Phillips.com. And if you want to check out the book that I'm talking about, my first book, Under the Influence, Reclaiming My Childhood, I'll put a link down below. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And just as a side note, anytime you grab a copy of the book or do anything like that, it's really it it, it, it feels like validation. It's it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to explain, but if people are willing to take the time to 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 read and connect and then share with me what they're what they're feeling and I've had a bunch of people contact me on this and say like hey the words you're saying you know resonate with me or you've been able to put into words but things better than I've been able to to say myself or you know I can connect with what you're saying more than I can connect with what my psychologist is saying and all of this sort of stuff because like you know like getting that buying a book or you know supporting me on Patreon or anything like that it's great because you know we all need money to survive but you know, I can get money doing work. What I, what I can't get is that sort of connection. What I can't get is that, that, that feeling that my writing is touching people that I can perhaps let people know that they're not alone, that the complex feelings that they have due to their complex past, are you know, quote unquote normal, normal for us, normal for people with our pasts. And that's, you know, luckily for most people, we don't, most people don't have that sort of past. Most people have a quote unquote normal past. Yeah, everyone's you know dealing with other stuff. But one of the things I realized is, is when I share, when I've shared my story widely, people are shocked. It goes one or two ways. People go, yep. And they just, they're in there, they connect and they get it. Or they're shocked and they have this look of like, oh, oh no, oh God. I can't believe that you dealt with this. I can't believe that you went through this. I can't, oh my God, you might, and they sort of, they sort of put this, this, this victimhood on me and, and fair enough, right? And I'm sure I do the same thing for people that have had a differently bad experience. But for, for the people that have gone through it, that are going through it, that are listening to this, I just want to let you know that you're not alone, that you'll be feeling things that, you might not even be able to understand or name or, 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 or state that will be overwhelming, that will feel like a massive burden, that will cause you to feel anger and rage and make you want to get so completely inebriated that you can't remember a thing, that will make you want to scream and cry and at the same time lash out violently. It'll make you want to run. It will make you want to, you know, Grab the, grab the people in your life and scream at their face, why don't you get it? Why don't you understand? It'll make you do all, want to do all of these things. <sighs> That's all normal. It's normal for us. What I would suggest is it's very important that you find a psychologist or a psychiatrist 
someone that you can talk to, someone that gets it, someone that can deconstruct these thought processes and patterns, someone that can help break down those challenging emotions and sort of challenge you with different ways of thinking. I've gone through a bunch of psychologists and I finally found a good one and it's been a game changer. I would also suggest that you meditate. I push this every time because it is the single best thing that you can do on your own for yourself. It helps you to detach. It helps you to feel your thoughts. It helps you to step back from them and understand them and look at them from a detached perspective. It helps you to heal. It helps you to calm down. Okay, I'll put a link down to my meditation course. You can get too much free free access for, for that one. And finally, I'd also suggest that you do some writing therapy. I'll link you to a blog that has the writing therapy on there. And basically, what you do is just get a pen and paper and write. Just write it down. The paper listens. The paper is is non-judgmental. It just it helps you get it out. And if if you can, if you want to, if you've written down some stuff, you can look back over that a week later and edit it to see how you're feeling now when you're in a, you know, quote-unquote more sober, more mentally stable place of mind. And what that does is it enables you to reframe your thinking. These things that I do for myself, writing therapy, meditation, psychology or talking therapy, and exercise. Why exercise? Multiple reasons. One, the more you exercise, particularly with a martial art, but with exercise in general, you feel stronger, you feel more capable, you can defend yourself, you feel physically confident. And two, I know I have a lot of pent-up energy. I know that if I don't get it out, I feel crazy. And not just crazy in the sense of like, oh, boredom, but like literally like past trauma crazy, PTSD crazy. Crazy in a sense of if I don't run, if I don't exercise, if I don't lift, I'll feel like self-harming. I need to get that out of me somehow. And that's a direct result of past trauma. That's a direct result of all of the issues that I face because there's this pent-up, built-up energy that sort of is, you know, primal, primally programmed into my brain now. And exercising in a safe, constructive manner in a safe environment with friends is optimal. So I feel like I've been harping on for a while. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you in this new year, in this 2020, for listening, for watching, for connecting with me, for following, for all the DMs, for all of the support, for all of the everything. Let's let's make 2020 our year, yeah? Let's make it the year that we heal, that we grow, that we start following our dreams. Let's make it the year that we cut the toxic habits and the toxic people from our lives. Yes, let's make it the year that we that we start that new hobby, that we write the book, that we instill the day, the morning routines. Yeah, let's give it a shot. And if you want any support or advice or ideas, shoot me a message and I'll respond back to you and perhaps I can get you going on that as well. Catch ya.